Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yo, 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 yo. Hold on, guys. Give me a second. Um, trying to see if anything's happening yet. One second. I'm telling you niggas, I'm not a regular nigga. No, been supposed to change up. I was been supposed to fold all this pressure. I was been supposed to change up. Nigga, what would I look like? I come from the hood. I represent the only way up. Had to hustle, boy. I'm trying to touch the toy. I'm trying to fuck these LA streets up. Think it's safe to say that I did it up, nigga. Up. sure so I'm gonna check with the family and make sure everything is everything I want y'all to know it's lit fully loaded it's been a minute we gonna catch up we gonna catch up don't even trip but I gotta make sure shit is right before I before I continue on because like I say it's a heavy handed addition tonight no pun intended. Actually, pun intended. Because we got some heavy topics to mull over. I'm just trying to see where the family at here now. I can't find the homies and shit. Let me see here. Because I need somebody to tell me if the system's going. Now, I was able to call in. And that's usually a great indication. But, um... I always need the further confirmation I was having. Yeah, so I sent it out, man. And if we is live, oh boy. It's a heavy-handed edition, I'll tell you that much. And if y'all rock with it, y'all rock with it. Y'all know what this thing is. Y'all know how I get down. It's a heavy-handed edition tonight, for real. We got some heavy topics to mull over. You know, pun intended this time, pun intended. It's been a while catching up to do, you know, for, for the real ones that fuck with it. You know, I, I know it, it's been a while. I haven't haven't checked in. Niggas be needing that to get through. They be needing that heavy handed work to get through. But, uh, you know, I'm here, man. You know what's up, man. Let's get. Bitch, I'm the man. The Bitch, I'm the man. Bitch, I'm the man. Yeah. We ready tonight. 
be ready. It's a heavy-handed edition. It ain't been a while. Been a while. It's been a while. Let's get that feeling back. But yeah, a few things popping out there in the sports world. As you know, this is the dog days of what they call the in the sports world. This is when your Stephen A's, your Skip Bayless's, your Shannon Sharps, your your Jalen Roses, your Max Kellerman's, all the big names you see on ESPN, Fox Sports, they take vacation this time of year. If you're a sports fan, you know what time of year it is. Basketball's over. Football hasn't started. All you got is mid-season baseball. These guys play 162 games. They're about 60 games in. You know, nobody gives a shit yet is what I'm getting to. But the dog days, so this time of the year, man, you know, so it's kind of hard to to uh, to kind of find good stories here. You know, no basketball to talk about. You got preseason football. And, you know, we got to talk about the things that happen. So here on the relatively Fat and Black Podcast Network, it's been slow as of late. You ain't had no heavy-handed additions. You ain't been here with me and my man Eugene <clears throat> on the Relatively Black and Fat Podcast banner show. That's what it is when me and him get together. That's still still a thing. Don't rule it out. It's still a thing. But in between that time, you get heavy-handed additions. And if you rock with that, I appreciate you. But uh, what we got tonight, man? We, we got the Rich Paul rule. Got the Rich Paul rule. Now, before we go too deep into anything, we'll just brief that. Uh, and we also will talk a little A.B. with the Raiders. You know I'm a Raider fan. We were psyched when we got him. But damn it. He came with a ca- an air of caution. And we touched on that caution, but the talent's just so overwhelming that you got to be like, fuck it. But damn it, day by day, story by story that breaks, just becomes more apparent that this thing is a train wreck in the making. But, you know, before we get to all that, man, Ah, before we get to all of all of that, crowd fave, I gotta bring him in. Everybody's favorite. He say what he wanna say. I ain't scared of you, motherfuckers. Genie a- Gene, what's happening, player? What's good with you, bro, bro? Ah, oh, man. Uh, Sunday evening. Sunday evening. Now, this is one of my favorite times of the week. Say about eight o'clock on a Sunday is one of my favorite times of the week. Reason being, and it only is circumstantial. Also, if I'm prepped for work, I'm not been out doing some shit all day, and I'm still tired. If I've done what I've needed to do, I've hit the gym, I've shaved, I've showered. Um, you know, I'm not gonna drink too much. I'm gonna, you know, get good sleep. I'm gonna go to bed by ten thirty, eleven. I feel like I'm primed for that Monday. This is one of my favorite times of the week. What you doing right now, my boy? It's 8 o'clock on the West Coast. Beautiful sky out there. How you doing out there? Beautiful sky out. Beautiful sky out. Um, yeah, I'm good, man. I'm ready for work. 
uh, start a new gig tomorrow. Thank God. And uh, I'm, I'm 12, 13 minutes from the gig. I was two and a half hours from the gig. So, you know, anybody who, who has to traverse traffic understands why I'm getting. Um, but the first day, man, first day. So if you if you are a person who's climbing a proverbial ladder, you know a little bit about first days, you know, because in climbing that ladder, you may switch, you know, companies or employ, you know, trying to get to where you're trying to get to. And, you know, that can happen a few times. So, you know, the first day, you know, this is when you come in and uh, you're making a good dough and you, you, you come through the door and you bring your ID and your social and you got to meet everybody and you get on the computer and fill out some sexual harassment training and all of these things, you know, uh, you walk you to your office and it's yours, but you ain't quite comfortable in it yet. You know, all the first day jitters, first day jitters, you're wondering if yeah. you made the right decision here, you know, if they're going to be crazy with you or is it going to be amazing and all your prayers is going up heavy night before, you know, so, so, so I'm, so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in a first day kind of thing. Um, I'm drinking a taste, but like you, I'm definitely not going to go hard. You know, I started a little earlier than I usually start so I could get to bed pretty at a decent time. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'll get to bed by 9.30, Um, You know, I've got my, my, my clothes ready and stuff like that, showered and shaved already. So I'm definitely on, on, on what you're talking about as far as being prepped day before. Um, so I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just loving life, my brother, appreciating, you know, the blessings, man. You know, Jesus is real. I'm out here living proof, man. So, yeah. First day of work for Gene, y'all. Big boss. Gene going in there, you know, bossing up. He walk in, they, you know, they got to treat him a certain way. It's just Nigga, when my name come up, respect it. Nope. I'm playing with my fucking name. You know, director. You know, it, it, like, hey, d- director. Director. Yeah, man. Yeah. Nigga, when my name come up, respect it. Nope. Hey, director. Hey, you gotta do something, man. You know, and I know you got, I know you got a real, real good show for us tonight, man. Uh. I, I, I'd be I'd be hard pressed if I didn't say this though. Uh, you know, man, don't don't stop striving. Don't stop trying to get to that next point, man. God got you covered, and you can do it. it, it it's tough, man. This game is insane. You know, sometimes you got to go to Nineveh. I know that's cryptic a little bit, but if you read your Bible, you understand what I'm talking about. But uh, man, don't quit on yourself, man. Don't don't be afraid to, you know, uh, try something new. Uh, you know, the, y'all probably don't know this about heavy-handed, but he's, he's probably the king in my circle of trying something new. And, um, you know, he, he's he's definitely influenced uh, our group to, to take a risk <laughs> in, in employment for sure. But um, you know, if you don't, if you don't, you know, take that shot, you you never know, man. So, but we get all off into uh, uh, whatever uh, uh, heavy hand has got planned for us. I just would say to all those listening, 
that, uh, you know, man, you never know what God got up his sleeve, and don't be afraid to put your bid in for something you may not necessarily be qualified for. Boom. You know, and there's statistics out there. They, there's a wage gap as far as gender is concerned. And there's two trains of thought there. There's just there's statistics that say men over 6'3", overwhelmingly are. So men over 6'3", CEO status, they, they go about, what is it, the number? I want to say around 30, 37% of CEOs are like 6'3". However, the wow. number of people over 6'3 in the fucking world is like less than 2% or some shit. You know, okay. so there's, there's all kind of statistics that go into wage and job position. But uh, one with gender and why men, they say men make more. Now you could say because he's a man. That's what a woman would say. But another statistic shows that men are far more likely to take on jobs that they don't fucking know how to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> Women will refuse now for those of us who have wives and you try to encourage her to pursue jobs. You may know how challenging that can be. Now, maybe it's not for everybody, but I'll speak for myself and, you know, other dudes in my circle that I know that shit can be a motherfucker. You know, wifey is very uh, cautious about the job she assumes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It ain't like me. Like, fuck it, I'm going to go be a manager over here and I don't know how to do a goddamn thing. You know, that shit is not for the weak of heart. I don't, I don't advise the things that I do for anybody to do. You know what I mean? Don't do not do them damn near. But uh, when you got to do what you got to do, you got to do what you got to do. But uh, yeah. that's the gist of it. And tonight's a celebration. Like we say, my man Gene... Going in director tomorrow, and y'all know what we say. And also, man, when it go in, nigga, when my name come up, respect it. Let's go. Stop playing with my fucking name. <laughs> it's always great. It's always great to go in, hands in your pocket, like, yeah, where's my desk? Thank you. Um, what corner office am I in? Oh, thanks. Um, who who works for me? You know, it's better than it's better than the other way. I'll tell you, better than yeah, the other way. Man. I can't lie about. You know what? And like, if you, you know, you management is a motherfucker, man. Now I've been at different levels of the shit, but um, that question of who works for me, you know, like that shit real. Like you feel like, oh, you know, I got a staff, but. The staff consists of people, and people are a trip, man. People are a trip, you know. You could have 30 people or five people. You know, dog, that shit could be, you might have an easier time with 30 regular people than you have with five weirdos. You know what I mean? Like, shit, you you catch 30 regular kind of get it people, you know, you you be straight, but you catch five um, off the wall people, then you got a lot of extra work going on. You know, so I don't know. I know it's something about bigger numbers that make us feel, you know, more official. But oh, you know, God. in my experiences, uh, I prefer to have a tight. I could have a staff of 
blunt. If we rocking together, it's awesome. You know, I don't have, you know, a staff of 35, and it's like, shit, you three niggas giving me the blues is really giving me the blues, you know? And one thing of people, if you haven't been manager or director or any of that shit, you can't just fire people. You can't just do nothing no. to nobody. You can't do nothing unless it's right. You better be documenting every conversation you have with this joker. Man, you better, I'm telling you, this shit is, you fuck around and get yourself jammed up so easily. Yeah, you better not go to the bar and, and, and offend nobody. You think you're going to the bar after work and it's cool now? Nah, nigga, you still on watch. That nigga go back and said, oh, <laughs> he said some shit at the bar that offended me. Psh, fried up, yeah. jammed up. So, come yeah. with a lot well, of rules and You learn to have a few degrees of separation, man, but I think, you know, dog, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want us to give the, the appearance that it's, it's all bad. Um, I think you get to a certain place in your, your, your respective field and, you know, you, you need to be, you know, have some sort of authority. And, um, you know, initially it's just wild and you don't understand, you know, how people are different in different type of work styles and communication styles and stuff like that. But once you get it, you know, once you kind of lock in and understand what you're dealing with, you know, you'd be all right. So I, I don't want to, I don't want it to seem like, you know, it's undoable, but you, you have a, the, 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 here's the key. The toughest part of the job is the people. You know, whatever business you're in, whatever y'all sell or provide or whatever the case is, what you learn after a while in management is the, the toughest part of the job is the people. The, the human beings are the hard part of the job. That's what I'm telling my staff. This is the people business. We in this rent pay itself. These people, what we need to focus on. But uh, all stories for another day. All stories for another day. Congratulations to Gene. First day of work tomorrow, man. He's going to wear his his best brown belt. He's going to wear a shirt with probably purple or pink in it. And he's going to wear a brown belt with brown shoes with probably blue pants. That is the swag to business these days. And, uh, you know, just going to go in there, going to put peroxide on his teeth tonight or some shit to make sure they're extra white. And, uh, you know, already already done. So, boom, first day, he's going to have a baldy. You know, he's rocking a Michael. I call him Michael Jordan because his shit, when one thing you, you, you might not know about bald niggas, people who aren't bald, is when they're shitting on you. That means their hair, they've just shaven crispy bald. That's when they shit. So his hair doesn't have a a fucking nick of a blade of hair on it right now. Yeah. Anyway, digressing. Digressing. We got family online, man. Uh we got to do it like like how he always got to come in. Let's do that. Lydia again, Lydia again, I got to be Lydia again. Lydia again, Lydia again, I got to be Lydia again. Now this is my young cat. Now he, he I think he about 30, man. Uh, 
You're about 30. So I can't call him the, the young Thundercat like that. But he still got some, some cat in him, you know. Now, you know, like we the old niggas turn to cougars. And, um, you know, I like to believe us older, the older women turn into cougars. Us, us old niggas turn into old wolves. You know what I mean? I like to call myself an old wolf. You know, I don't run with the pack no more. I still bite your ass now. You know what I mean? If you fuck with me enough and, you know, I'll never be too domesticated, but I'm an old wolf. You know, I, I, I sleep outside of the house a little bit. But that's my young nigga I live through. RC, what's happening with you tonight? Hey, what's going down, man? Um, nothing much, bro. Just uh, chilling, getting back from uh, the downtown area. Um, kicking it with some of my homegirls and, and whatnot. Shooting some pool and uh, um, just getting out of there right now and trying to get started up for the, the, the start of the week, man. So um, just been chilling, having a couple of drinks, just doing it to it, you know. And um, got the message that you said we're going live. And... Uh, you know, in my mind, I hit the, the Booker T spin erroneous, so that's why I sent that gift, and I was uh, hoping that we got this one going today, so I'm glad to be here, man. Ah, yes, RC, on cue, out there living, just living, man. I follow the nigga on Twitter. That Twitter ain't even Instagram or Facebook. I'm sure he ain't putting his best work on Twitter. But every time, I mean, I don't see nobody with more girls and at more pool parties and at more functions then RC, I mean RC is looking good out there, man. How, well, tell us, give give us me and my my boy Gene a little b- pull behind the curtain on what it's like out there being a young cat. I, RC and the Challenger, you know. Now I know the Challenger might need to go to the shop every now and again. Still a goddamn Challenger. Abroad don't know yeah. that. <laughs> a, a Challenger on rims, uh, you know, and uh, you know. How how's it out there these days, man? Is it like a great white shark cruising through a guppy pond? You know, the, bring me behind the curtain on how the happenings is these days. <laughs> uh, I, the, the challenger has been in the shop twice, but it's, it's it's all good right now. Besides the gas tank, but um, you know the thing about it is, is the car will do so much for you on twenty twos, by the way. But it'll do so much for you. But what really has got me as a, if, 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 if I want to even call myself a commodity with uh, being involved here in town is the fact that a lot of my boys that, uh, uh, that I went to school with and all that, they all have children now. And for me, I'm too scared to do that. You know, I'm the type of cat to, you know, fuck around with a girl and put on two condoms just in case. But, you know, to not have any children and to be moving in the upwards, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay and nothing to brag about. But, you know, um, I think the women are more attracted to, to the uh, the fact that they don't have to deal with any kind of baby mama drama and stuff like that, and more so than, you know, I'm not the type of dude who pulls some corny-ass uh, uh, pickup lines or nothing like that. You know, I, I joke with a bitch and, and uh, you know, shit like that. But, you know, it's uh, I have a lot of girlfriends. Most of my closest friends are girls. And, uh, you know, some of them have been, you know, exes beforehand. That we ended on a good note with or whatever, but, uh, but it's it, it, you know I, I just I always I was always taught by my older uncle or by my uncle my dad's uh, uh, middle brother that you know those girls that were kind of they weren't popping in high school be nice to them because later on down the road 
you know, Mike Jones said it best. Back then, they didn't want me. Now I'm hot hoes all on me. And I've seen a lot of girls that were, you know, in the tween averages of five back in school to where they had that glow up. And, um, you know, always being nice and courteous to women has taken me a long way. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it, it all You get more bees with honey, huh? You get more bees with honey. Like, so... Mastering the friends, so so is it? I, I I always baby subscribe to this theory, especially when you ain't thirsty, bitch. I'll stay in the friend zone for a decade on your ass. I met you when we was eighteen. We twenty eight now. Mm-hmm. Now have the petals on your rose withered some? Yes, they have. They've withered, but I haven't. The value of a man increases like wine. Whereas the value of a woman, let's just say, does not do the same. Staying in mm-hmm. friend zone for 10 years, oh, man, it's nothing better. And if you can stand that test of time of the friend zone, it's like Mufasa told Simba. Nigga, we ain't got to run down there and get one. But we can walk and get all of them. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so I'm just spitting a little gamey game, a little gamey game. Uh, Jeannie Jean, I mean... More flies with honey is what it boils down to, man. You catch more flies with honey. Have you have you had any interest in what it do these days for the youngins and how it is out here trapping with these hoes? I feel like they get to eat a lot better and easier than we did, you know, off the top. Uh, you know, with all your tenders and swipe left or right, I think that... uh you know, it's a lot easier to, to, to meet the ladies. But, um, and, 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 you know, this is coming from a, a cat that's, I've been married since I was 22 or 3. So, you know, I've been married 13, 14 years. So I'm, I'm fully unaware of, of the struggle, right? Um, but, um, it seems like the opportunities are, are much more frequent. Um, you know, I just don't know any cats personally that are taking advantage. And when I when I mean that, I feel like you know the cats that I know that are single, they 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 live in, they leaving way too many bodies on the table. You know, um, I think in my heyday, uh, you know, for for what it's worth, when you have to kind of go outside and hit a mall or catch something slipping in the streets. Um, you know, that I did some good work and now I see cats with at your fingertips, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I'm just not sure. And, and, and it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. I, well, well, just to be clear, Snoop Dogg raised me, you know what I mean? So I can have... Day. To this day! To this day! To this day! To this day! You know, I, I could be totally off the wall in my my assessment here. You know, and I, and I respect that. I just think from from thinking about how I thought about things as a young man, I'm like, man, you cats is is, is leaving a lot of good bodies on the table. Um, which I think, you know, it, in all actuality, may be a good thing. You know, you know, maybe we were, you know, brought up in a time with an influence that. You may have been overboard, you know what I mean, and, and that's possible. So you know, with all of that being said, I think that uh, 
you know, man, young cats, young women, young men, you know, they, they got a they got an avenue or two that is much easier to meet each other, much more comfortable. Um, you know, looks good, man, looks good. Uh, my, my main thing, though, like what I wonder about, because when, when I was kind of out there doing my thing, like AIDS was like a big deal. Like that was like the fucking scariest thing out there. So I, I always wonder, like, is that still a like a hey. thing that you think about? And nigga, you what's know? AIDS? Does, does that shit even still happen? Is that shit like chicken pox or measles shit that used to what smallpox, nigga, um, tuberculosis? Why is we even still getting tested Ooh. for that shit? Does anybody ever had tuberculosis? I don't know. Hey. <laughs> They got nothing for me. Anyway, bro, so, so go ahead, man. My cat on the line, uh, I, I think you said his name was RC. I'm sorry if I got it wrong, brother. Yeah, um, that's it. Yeah, that, that, would, that would be, like, my question. Like, cause I know, like I said, with, with, with me and, and my uh, my age group, like, AIDS was so huge, you know. So it was like smashing abroad was taking a, a huge risk. Obviously, we took those risks. <laughs> you know what I mean, but you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you messed around and, 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 and you know went in there naked. You know that was a concern until you got a you, you got a test. So I guess my question would be like, is that still is is prevalent? You know what I mean? Um, out being single, you know, living your best life. It, it's it's something to take into consideration for sure. Because uh, look, I'm I'm 30 right now, 11, 16, 88. My uh my last uh my ex girlfriend was forty one, recently, and you know hey, I, <laughs> and before her it was twenty one, so I went and I done skipped up twenty years from that, but um the young girls, I I, I can't do it man I can't do it <laughs> the way they're popping nowadays is crazy man and they ain't got no kind of they ain't got their t's crossed man and the, the older girl, it was like. <laughs> yeah, we we could just kick it at the crib and you know, I saved some money from going out to the club every goddamn weekend and stuff like that. But she got her own place. You know, I got two houses, mine and hers, two keys. Like, you know, <laughs> the age does play a factor into it now, especially in 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 um the the um the way I move about when it comes to women now. So um it it, it definitely is something to take into consideration for someone my age being 30 years of, of age right now, single, no kids, and how I kind of uh, go hunting, so to speak. But for the most part, you know, just play the part as a tiger in the tall grass and just wait for the uh, the perfect time being opportunistic. Nice. Yeah, nice. I got, but I was saying, like AIDS, like HIV, like the disease, you know, like and what I was saying in my time out there, that was like big and scary. And a huge bullet to dodge. I was wondering is that something oh, yeah. that is it prevalent still? Oh man, it's uh, it's still something because like because uh, I, I was originally born in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, so I still have a lot of friends back out in South Florida. And and every time they talk, you know, I have a group message with some of my boys out there, and they'll send pictures of uh, of, of some bad bitches, and they'd be like, "Man, I go, I, I would go raw on that thing." Like they always bring that up. And why they always bring that up? Because how AIDS is so crazy out there. Um, now, and, and Florida is is ridiculous out there. Like you have to be on top of your shit. Me, like 
you know, that's why I say I, I, I wear two condoms messing with girls because I just, I just don't trust none of these hoes out here. It's not as bad out here compared to out there, but it's still something to, to definitely worry about. Me, you know, I'm always, I don't believe anything these girls say anyway. So, you know, I, uh, I, I know it's uh, not as bad over here in, in Central California, but it's still something to worry about for sure. Very well, very well, very well, man. All stories for another day. Let's dive. Let's dive. Y'all ready to dive? Let's dive. So, let's do it. What we're here for is to dig. We're going to do a little bit of a dive on this Rich Paul rule. The Rich Paul rule was recently, it's not called the Rich Paul rule. What it is is requisites for a, what a, college player who wants to test their status if they were to go pro who they can hire as their agent if they want to if they choose to do that now this job had never had any requirements this is simply a young man saying hey i want my uncle to be my agent that's fine you know your agent never had prerequisites now if you've been following the heavy-handed edition man I've been telling y'all these requisites are coming. And we got my man Gene on tonight. Now, Gene's not a huge sports fan. So we're going to walk through this with him. But Gene know all about work. Now, I've been telling Gene in the field that he's in and able to walk in and make really good money and be a director we the last of a dying breed in these type of fields because they will be adding requisites to people who can get these jobs. My job does an audit for qualifications. You can't just have experience. You just can't have lingo. You can't just know how to do it. I don't give a damn. And that's basically what the Rich Paul rule is about. Now, for those of you who don't know, Rich Paul is a friend of LeBron James. LeBron James has this inner circle. The inner circle involves Rich Paul, uh, Maverick Carter, Leon Rose, and Rich Paul, Maverick Carter, Leon, and LeBron. This is an inner circle LeBron has bought with him from his high school days. Now, I decided to do a little, give you a little research on Rich Paul, so I, I went and wikied Rich Paul. Uh, Rich Paul. Uh, December 16th, 1981. I think that makes him a Sag, but almost a Capricorn, which I am, so that would have made me feel better about it. LeBron's a Capricorn. LeBron's born one day before me. Rich Paul, uh, December 16th. I think the turn of Capricorn is December 18th, but I'm not 100% sure. But Rich Paul, December 1981. uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Now, how Rich Paul and LeBron met? In Atlanta, Rich Paul basically was selling authentic throwback jerseys out of his trunk. He sold LeBron a Warren Moon throwback. LeBron was so impressed. LeBron hit him up again. Rich sold him a Magic Johnson and a Joe Namath throwback. LeBron, this was in 2003. LeBron said, you know what, man? You you seem like a nigga who got some hustle to you. You got some entrepreneurial spirit. And invited him. You know, like, you fuck with me, you know, you and the crew. Uh, this was just some hometown boys from Akron, Ohio. When LeBron was 18, coming through it, you know, he had his crew. This is his crew. 
fast forward today, Rich Paul, the dude who was slanging throwback jerseys out of his trunk in Atlanta, who met LeBron, is the fifth most impactful sports agent in sports with no degree. No degree at all. So, you have these sports agents along with the NCAA who's implementing these requisites. Now, that's a whole other story. See, the NCAA is an amateur division. The NCAA has put its flag in the ground and say, we are an amateur division. We are not playing these payers because this is for amateurs. We don't pay amateurs. Professionals are paid. Then one would ask, so why are you making requisites for agents they can hire then? Because that's what this fundamentally is. So let me, let me get to something here that can give it a little more beef. One second, Gene. So these requisites that they've implied for another thing you got to know about Rich Paul, Rich Paul this year has the three biggest free agent in the NBA. There are white agents who have been around since the eighties who have cornered this market, who this is their market. And this young dude shows up who's empowering players, telling them to sit out, shows up and is taking over the market. Let's get some more details about what the requisites and what the Rich Paul rule is all about. NCAA is back at it again. Now, I'm sure by now you all heard of this new rule that LeBron James has quickly called the Rich Paul rule. Now, you got to understand something about the Rich Paul rule. The Rich Paul rule is really an amendment to a rule that the NCAA made last year. Last year, the NCAA said that if a player declares for the draft, they could talk to an agent but still retain their NCAA eligibility rights. And so at first, it seemed like a really good move for players by the NCAA. It seemed like for the first time since the NCAA started that they were finally doing something for the players and not for themselves. But no, 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 no. We know the NCAA too well here on this channel. Now, a year after that rule, they've now amended that rule to now define what kind of agent you can actually talk to. And there's a few requirements that that agent must have. Number one is a bachelor's degree. Number two, they have to work with the NBA PA for at least three years. And number three, they have to take an in-person exam at the NCAA headquarters in Indianapolis, Indiana. Now we so after wow. they, they 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 implemented something, they amended it and gave it requirements, requisites. You have to one be a Players Association agent certified member for at least three years consecutively, two, professional liability insurance, and completion of an in-person exam that will be offered by at the NCA office in Indianapolis. And you also uh, have to have a background check. And a bachelor's, this, degree. And a bachelor's degree. All this 
Now, LeBron, you know, when, when this jumped out, LeBron tweeted. Let me give you LeBron's tweet here. Can't stop, won't stop. They big mad and scared. Nothing will stop this movement and the culture over here. Sorry, not sorry. You see, Rich Paul <laughs> then came in here, a black dude, but can speak the language, gets it. And the players is flocking towards them. You know, Rich Paul didn't go public with his own company since 2012. Clutch Sports. Now, before that, um, he negotiated LeBron's extension in 2006 with the Cavaliers, working for Creative Artist Agency. In 2012, Rich Paul left the CEAA and started his own agency, Clutch Sports. Uh, Clutch Sports has Eric Bledsoe, John Wall, Ben Simmons, Anthony Davis, Draymond Green, and LeBron James. Dude, those are huge names for one man to have. We ain't talking about big sports agencies that house a bunch of different agents. There is no other dude that has these names. Now, one name I said in there you might miss is Ben Simmons. Now, understand this rule is implemented to for criteria for you can hire if you're coming out of college, but want to stay. You see, now, you might not understand how hypocritical that is, but I'm going to play you. I'm going to play you. Let me see here. How how do I want to do this? Because I have to set up a certain way. And there's, there's certain things I wanted to do. But Ben Simmons is a big name here because Ben Simmons is a dude who came from Australia, was the number one pick in the NBA draft, and went in, in the NBA, other than any other profession in the world, you got to play one year of college. You have to. It, ben Simmons was the first player that came in and just said, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, here to, I'm not here to go to school. I'm not here to play uh, college basketball. I'm going to the NBA, and I'm not playing for y'all. I'll be here. I'll suit up all year but I'm not playing. That's a first. And that was Rich Paul advised. You see, and so that's what they're really wanting to get to here. But there's a narrative in, in, in the NCAA. The NCAA is big, big U business, big university business. And I've always tripped as a kid watching these games and it's like all these black dudes on the court but no black dudes in these stands you know I always tripped on that as a kid now the NCAA had a response men's basketball student athletes who are considering careers as professional basketball but who may want to return to school are permitted to accept permissible agent services from NCAA certified agents with a signed agent agreement and all required requisites. That's what the NCAA had to say about it. These, these requisites were made on the fly. This was all made on the fly. Now, the NCAA is, is America, man. Now let's, let's, let's hear a little bit of what, what, Journalists on the white now, all the let's just be frank here. The black journalists they all outraged by this. The Shannon Sharps they like this is clear to stop the 
the rich paws of the world from having to stop the brothers out there who are able to get in the game without having to cross or hurdle the obstacles that are set in place for us. You got to understand, college for us is an obstacle that they know will be hard for us with the lives that, that we're given get to just it's not that you ain't smart enough nigga you got hurdles just to get to that crazy shit for us and that's why they put them things in place you want to jump in bro uh let me let i'll hit it quick man so i gotta i gotta get to it but you know dog i think that um it, it, it it's it's not it's not surprising you know, it's not surprising that the you know the the big name, the big money, you know, tries to to box out the, the little guy. You know, uh, you know, and if we we were to look at it, you know, America period, you know, is built um, on you know the little guy having the idea, having the inspiration, having the the willpower, and in in most situations that the, the the, the industrial complex, right? The big names, the big money. You know, they come get that little guy and, and put him into the into the system. You know, whether it's buy him out, steal his idea. You know, whatever the case is, that's that's how it works. You know, and and what what when you come up against a little guy that won't buzz and that's 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 moving in excellence and you can't get to him, then you got the power, so you change the rules. You know, how many times have we seen the rules change in sports um, because of dominance, you know? Um, how, how many times have we seen the, the rules change in just regular life? You know, the, the, the time you get for crack versus cocaine, you know what I mean? It's the same old story, and, it, and it's sad, man. It's sad that, you know, this place where the entrepreneurial spirit is promoted, this place where... You know, you can, that said that you can pull yourself up from your quote-unquote bootstraps. You know, you can make something out of nothing, this land of prosperity, that, um, that, that any time that proves itself to be true for a minority, the rules change. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it sucks. It's terrible. But here's the thing. And uh, shout out to Rich Paul. You know, because what I'm going to say is that by no means uh, – uh, uh, validating what they're doing, but you know, the, the, here's the thing, that every time they change the rules, we just beat that rule. You know what I mean? We find a way to overcome. Um, yes. And so just like Rich Paul ever, ever overcame and, 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 and will overcome what they're trying to do, um, we'll continue to overcome because, man, evil can't win. Fuck it. That's just the end of the day. You know, evil can't win and it can't persist and that's the problem for them is that we continue um, to find ways to beat their rules, you know, and, and, and it'll just keep going on and on and on, man. So as, as terrible as it is, you know, shout out to everybody there that breaks a glass ceiling, man, because that's what we profession, we professional glass ceiling breakers, and, and we'll continue to do so, man. And and, and just, just for, like, an overall assessment, of course it's complete bullshit, and, you know, we shouldn't have to put up with it. You know, if a guy and I, and I, and I, and this was told to me, I don't I don't remember by who, and it's probably was said in a totally different way. But at some point, somebody said, you know, um, if there's a guy that can do heart surgery in the jungle, 
and he's an expert at it. He can put a new heart in a person's chest, um, you know, and he can save lives. And, and if he came to America and put a new heart in your chest, if he didn't go to day school, he's going to jail. He's committed a crime by saving your life. You know, I, I don't know if cats know that, but, like, dog, you can't operate on nobody if you don't have their their permission, that stamp, that degree. Even though this cat saved the life and he did it perfectly, you know, in his basement. Not that this should be done, but the point is that it's, it's pure bullshit. Now, I understand, obviously, why we got to have rules like that, but, but I think the notion that unless you follow these steps that we um, put forth in order for you to not make it, you know, if you could follow these steps against all odds, then, yeah, go do heart surgery. Then, yeah, you can be an agent. You know what I mean? But anything else is illegal. You know, if you yeah. don't beat our system that's created for you to fail, then everything you're is illegal. It's out of bounds. You're wrong. Go to jail, die, whatever, you know. Complete bullshit. You know, bro, bro, I, I, got to, I got to go get these kids ready, man. You know, I'm going to listen on. I'm going to just listen on, though, man. Y'all have a good night, man. God bless y'all. RC was good. Uh, me and you, my brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, sir. Appreciate you. All right. Uh, that's Gene, everybody. He came in to say his piece. He got a first day of work tomorrow, so, you know, we, we don't mind him getting to what he got to get to. But uh, we we appreciate Jeannie Jean for showing up tonight. Uh, we continue on with it, man, because we didn't get to the good part. We didn't get to the good part, but we got more family on. We got more family online. Um, this guy, he knows I got smoke for him tonight. You know, he called in. He 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 had to know. Free smoke, free smoke, hey, free smoke, free smoke, hey, free. Smoke. He had to know. You know, because I've been talking to him about requisites. Now, I didn't even know these requisites were coming in this fashion. Because like we heard earlier here, this is an amendment that they amended just last year. And amended it. This is something they implemented last year and amended it and added new rules to it. This year. (laughs) But... You know, some people say, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, we should have a keep away those creepy guys who are going to take advantage of those poor athletes, right? You don't want nobody taking advantage of them. (laughs) Some people go with that narrative, don't they? (laughs) And I think this guy right here, y'all know him, love him. You know, let me just bring his ass in. Cause this is for the Jonathan, what's going on tonight, player? Hey, what's going on, everybody? How's everybody doing? Man, it's, it's me and you. Everybody in and out. Everybody's in and out. But uh, right, everybody's in and out. All right, what's going? What's going on, JP? How's everything going? It's been oh, a while. Man, it's been a while. It has been a while. I've been. On a little vacation, nothing major, Vegas, Palm Springs, here and there. But uh, hiatus, you know, the dog days of sports is what they call it these these days, right? That's, that's right, it is. Yep, yep, yep. We got some baseball happening, but 
aside from that is preseason football and the off season in, in basketball. So all all well, how's the family? Everything good over there, bro? No, yeah, family's good. Family's good. Uh I mean, we're still grinding, you know, I mean nothing nothing's really changing. You know, Every everything's you know, we're still grinding, you know, getting the kids ready to go back to school, you know. Uh you know, trying to take advantage of what little bit of time they got left, you know, for the summer and all that. So, you know, we did, you know, a little bit of the beach. We went on vacation, we went to Orlando, so you know, you know, we're we're trying to we're trying to take advantage of the time and do what we can do. As you should, as you should. But as you know, I'm sure you're informed. Um, we talking about the Rich Paul rule tonight, man. That's one of the things we talking about. Uh, what we talked about so far is, you know, this is something that was implemented last year and it's been amended and some requisites added to it. Now, you and I and some of the other homies have been talking about, me especially, I've been talking about these requisites that are going to be added to some of the positions in the NBA. In the NBA, in the NFL, you already know they have had to implement fucking like rules to say, hey, interview minorities. Make sure you interview at least one or two of them, okay? I mean, I want you to understand that's not normal. When people have to force you to do that, it's because you're not giving people fair chances. So we got a new implementation here. Uh, LeBron came out and called it the Rich Paul rule. This rule basically adds requisites to who can be your agent if you want to test the waters coming out of college and see, you know, what kind of status you have if you were to go pro. Uh, One of the qualifications, a bachelor's degree. Uh, Second qualification, three years consecutive as a certified agent for the uh, NCAA. And you have to pass a background check and another thing or two. So now, Jonathan, I believe me, you and I had a conversation where I, you said, hey, you should probably have some advanced math degree if you want to be a GM in the NBA. Okay, that, that's, that's an argument we could talk about. Um, but the meteoric rise of Rich Paul who hands down this season has the biggest free agents in the market with Draymond and with Anthony Davis. There are Rich Paul reportedly is the fifth, has the fifth most contracts under clutch sports. There are the rest of these agencies have been around. There's about 10 of them. They've been around. Some have been around since the eighties. Rich Paul started his company in 2012 and is already number five on the list. You don't think there's some, some mad dudes out there? And, and, and this thing is more so about how Ben Simmons was handled. You see, this is a funnel from the NCAA to the NBA. It's not privy to just NBA players. Don't let them fool you. Ben Simmons broke the mold coming over and said, hey, I'm not playing. I'll come over and do your one-and-done bullshit you make us do. Because, for one, that's bullshit, too. You're not going to tell me Zion couldn't have been in the NBA last year. You're not going to tell me Ben Simmons couldn't have started his career early. So, 
Rich Paul, who Ben Simmons is now a clutch sports uh, player under the clutch, clutch sports agency, advised what Ben should do and not play for the LSU Tigers. Come there and say, hey, dude, I'm a professional basketball player. I'm not fucking here to play, you know, NCAA basketball. The NCAA, in a proactive nature, is saying, hey, you can't get a hold of the dudes who keep this thing alive and tell them not to play. That's what this is about. The NCAA, with their stance as an amateur division, that's why they can't pay the players right, all the while being a multi-billion dollar franchise. We need to keep this thing called a March Madness going. Things people take off work to participate in. All the sponsorship, all the advertisement, all that, all the TV network money. If you keep telling our stars, if, 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 if Rich Paul gets a hold of Zion and tells Zion don't play, you're going number one next year, we can't have that. Jonathan. You seem to be a man of corporate uh, adhering, in my estimation, to some degree. To some degree. Talk to me about these, these, these requisites all out the blue here. Is it something needed? Or is it basically, just to, just to be frank, to stop the rich paws of the world from happening? I think I'm going to disappoint you today, JP, because I actually do feel that this is part of uh, Big Brother, Uncle Sam, however you want to phrase it. These, this is part of them stopping the wheel. Because, you know, look, at the end of the day, I, I, you know, on a side note, I, I, you know, regardless of anything, you know, we're, we're probably still, regardless of, you know, what's going on with politics nowadays, uh, what's what's going on with our country? Hands down, we're still in the greatest country in the world because capitalism is something that created, you know, opportunity like what Rich Paul was able to do. You know, that was the whole basis of capitalism. I think me and you kind of had this conversation at work not too long ago about how construction was still the back in the day was still the occupation that white people can still use even if they did jail time. That was like their safety net, right? I don't know if you remember that conversation we had regarding the I, – I think I think it was me and you that had that conversation, but uh, we kind of had that one. And uh, it was basically – and that's basically what's happening is that capitalism was, was built basically for all these white people to be able to succeed regardless of – their educational stature or their social stature, you know, per se. But now they're seeing that minorities are jumping on that boat too. You know, minorities are opening up construction companies. Minorities are being able to do, you know, like not too long ago, I remember uh, you didn't need, you know, uh, certain education to get a real estate license or you didn't need uh uh, other forms of uh, like a bachelor's degree to get an RN license. Now, you know, you need a bachelor's degree. Now you need a little bit of college education in order to get a real estate license. Just off the top of my head, those are some of the things that I know that have changed within the last 10 to 15 years. 
And, you know, and it's specifically because people are catching on like, oh, hey, you know what? Uh, I can do this. I can do that and still be very successful. And it's taking away. And I think I think we did have that conversation. It's like taking away jobs that, you know, maybe some of uh, maybe some of uh, the white people felt or whoever is in power felt like, oh, man, you know what? Everybody's coming up on these on these uh, on these jobs that we were able to fall back on. And it's exactly what it is. You know, those jobs, you know, and Rich Paul is in this industry was able to prove like, hey, I can do this, you know, without the college degree, I'm able to do this, I'm able to do that, I'm able to get all this, because, you know, why wouldn't minority, why wouldn't black athletes go with a black agent? Why wouldn't they? You know, and that's one thing I think me and you have had this conversation where I do feel that that's one thing I feel about the the African-American community, that you guys support each other a lot, you know, and, you know, and this is, you know, probably not a, a very popular subject, but I do feel that, you know, with, with, uh, with the Latino community, Mexican Latino community, we don't support each other as much as I feel like the African American community supports one another. And if you have someone like Rich Paul, that's a threat. That's a big, big time threat to how things were done back then. You know, and, and, and it's just and it's just sad to see that these things are happening. But you know what? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we're going to we're going to be able to, you know, as minorities, we're going to be able to figure things out. We're going to be able to do things, you know, as as we progress. It's like right now, it's like, OK, so I need a bachelor's to do this. All right. We can get that done. What do I got to do? Sacrifice two, three years, you know. I mean, it's it's doable, you know, when, where there's a will, there's a way. Obviously, you know, if you're in a better financial uh, situation when it comes to your family being able to provide you these things, obviously it's going to be easier. But you know what? There's a lot of minorities that are getting degrees, you know, and with parents that are working, you know, uh, that are making 30000 40000 a year. And I just think that this is another way of, you know, like, I mean, I'll give you another example. Billy Bean, Billy Bean from the Oakland A's. He doesn't have a degree. General manager, just with the high school diploma. The reason why he only has a high school diploma is because, remember, he opted to go pro versus going to, and I think it was, uh, I, think he, I think he had a scholarship to Stanford at that particular time, and he didn't do it because he wanted to go play baseball because he was told he was a 5-2 player and he was going to be one of the greatest of all time. So he's one of those general managers that was able to go and become a GM, you know, through baseball. But that was because he was a white guy. You know, obviously for us as minorities, it's not that easy. It's not that easy to come up and do things like that unless you were a professional, a professional ball player. And maybe they'll give you that, you know, uh, that, that, uh, that opportunity to perform those kind of job functions. But nowadays it's true. You know, now they are, kind of going towards the route of now, you know what, we just got to make it to where, you know, these guys have degrees, that they're graduating from MIT, yada, yada, yada. But I do feel as of right now, this is part of the machine that's kind of realizing like, man, you know what, maybe it is a little bit too easy for people to make money. Now we got to make it a little bit harder to kind of make way for the people that we want in place. At least that's just how I see it.
I think I might be in. Uh, let me see. Yeah, uh, I don't know. My damn uh, internet will drop off for some reason. I don't know why it does that from time to time. We'll do that, but looks like I may be back on, on my cellular phone. Um, we're going to see, man. We are just about to get into a real good conversation. It's so unfortunate. Yeah. It happened at a very... Um, very bad time. Let me see if I can bring Jonathan back in and can he hear me or not. Jonathan, you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Wow. So all that is is my internet will just drop off my laptop from time to time. But, man, uh, like you were saying, like you were saying, so, dude, what, what were you last saying? You think this is just a part of the, 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 the brothers, the good old brothers network, right? Yeah, the good. I really do feel that it's part of the whole good old boy network type deal. I mean, I am on that boat as far as because well, mm-hmm. as soon as I saw as soon as I saw the uh, requirements that Rich Paul had to do in order to uh, uh, the well, like like LeBron says, right? You know, all the requirements that they put in place because of Rich Paul. I mean, we see that everywhere, JP. I mean, I don't know if you heard the point that I made as far as you know when it comes to being an RN now. When it comes a registered yeah. nurse, when it comes to being, you know, a real estate agent now, I mean, because I mean, since the seventies and eighties, it was easy to be become a registered nurse and make eighty to a hundred k, or become a real estate agent, and if you were successful, it was easy to get these types of licenses. Because I remember back in two thousand, you know, uh, two thousand one, I remember uh, one of my uncles that was in real estate told me, "Get your license, man. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy." And now when I started looking into it, I was like, okay, what do we got to do now? Now you've got to have college classes in order to even be considered to get, to, get a, to get a license. So I just think that it's all part of the machine that's kind of seeing that, you know, I mean, you do remember that conversation we had, right, about the whole construction thing. You did hear that part, what I said, right, as far as uh, yeah, you drop off again? Oh, yeah. No, I'm yeah, you know, I, yeah. You know, you know, regarding, you know, how construction was, you know, you know, the fallback for, you know, white people to be able to continue on their careers, even though they had a jail record. But now that you got minorities coming in here or, you know, now that they're learning construction and opening up their businesses and becoming successful, now they're starting to notice that these things aren't their fallbacks anymore. And, you know, and the more that they start realizing that these aren't the fallbacks, the more the more we're going to see Rich Paul type rules being instituted to kind of, you know, you know, cause I, I mean, cause I'm one of those JP that, that firmly believes that when it came to cherry picking, when it came to, uh, you know, all those, uh, all those jobs that, that, that the Mexicans and the Latinos did out in the, in, that do out in the fields or, you know, the uh, sewing factories or whatever. I don't think those were the jobs that they were talking about when they were saying that we're coming in here taking all their jobs. I really do feel that the jobs that they were talking about were those construction jobs, are those nursing yeah, jobs, yeah. are those jobs that aren't that are very easy for us to obtain because we're cheaper labor. You know, it, it's almost like 
I'm going to pay you enough to so that you can keep coming back to work, but I don't have to pay you what I have to pay Brad because I got to pay mm-hmm. Brad 30 bucks an hour versus paying Jose. I can pay him 20 bucks an hour and he'll be cool. You know, mm-hmm. he'll be good. You know, and, 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 and you know, because I never thought that, you know, because I, I mean, I don't think I'd ever, I, I don't think you'll ever, I think you'll, you'll more than likely see a white person panhandling than being out in those strawberry fields. I'll tell you that. Much. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. but at the same time, but these, but I feel like these rich Paul type rules are, are all across the board, real across the board. And, you know, but at the same time, like I said, you know, I feel that as minorities, you know, we're going to figure it out. I feel that, you know, there's, there's going to be, there's going to be things that we're going to be able to somehow, it's going to cost us an arm and a leg, you know, but we're going to figure these things out where we're, and then I'm pretty sure that right now it's going to require a, a mass, a bachelor's. And then 10 years from now, once they see the minorities getting the bachelor's, then it's going to require a master's. And then you're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to go through other, you know, hoops and, you know, whatever it is and, you know, whatever it is that they're going to want us to do, you know, juggle and, and do a bicycle all at the same time in order to do it. And, you know, but at the same time, though, I mean, going to the first statement that I made, regardless of anything, I still feel we're in the greatest country in the world because capitalism allows that, allows us to be, you know, to live a somewhat comfortable life. I mean, yeah, we may not all be driving Teslas, but this is what it is. You know, things, things like Rich Paul was able to accomplish is all part of being here in America. This is, this is why I still believe it's the greatest country in the world. But at the same well, time, I mean, it's put not a perfect. system in place to not, stop it. But I mean, but we're, but we're, it's never going to stop, JP. I mean, one of the things that I feel is a, absurd of the way we protest things is that we think it's going to change. It's not. You just got to roll with the punches. So don't throw me. I mean, I mean, I mean, we still got. I mean, we still got to put up a fight, and 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 you know, and you know. And ask the question, why is this happening? But I mean, I mean, what, what, what's it, what's it going to do? I mean, we've only this this country has only evolved. I mean, since the nineteen, I think since World War One, this country is barely evolving. You know, society is barely evolving. I mean, we're we're barely getting into. You know, I mean, I mean, aren't we? Isn't is society barely evolving? I mean, no. I mean, shit. In the '60s, I couldn't even drink out the same water fountain as a white person. But that's you know, what I'm saying. I couldn't though. even I mean, go to the freaking restaurant. I mean, that's a lot of progression in 70 years. I think to but, having but, a president but, that at least in color is black. But but the thing. But okay. But that may be JP. But I mean, like I honestly feel like, like I mean, have we really progressed as a society? Or are we just a society that kind of just doesn't say anything anymore? Because I honestly feel that throughout the last 40, 50 years, we just never said, people just never said the things that they're saying now. I mean, the sentiment still hasn't changed. Has it changed? Has well, it changed? The laws have has changed. The laws have changed. Now, have people changed as well? Well, okay. I mean, the laws. What what does it matter if the laws if the laws have changed if you can't the laws like for example like that like that kid in Texas that 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 kid in Texas that shot up the Walmart how did they arrest him how did they arrest him what do you mean I how? saw him yeah they arrested him like 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 a like a like a, they pretty much arrested him like a human being yeah. Yeah. like a civilian 
And then later on that week, I forgot what, I forgot the gentleman's name, the black guy that, that got arrested for a traffic light or a red light, or I don't know, or he had a broken taillight, and they beat the shit out of him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, what, what does it matter if the laws have changed? People haven't changed. Well, that's, see, my, that's exactly my point. Uh, see, I, I can't go such a simply, slippery slope, and this is going to take us down another hole. But I, I want people to focus on the implementation of video camera, cell phone, and human hand. You and I are the are the, the torchbearers of this new thing to the human in human history. And that's an understatement. People don't understand what this cell phone is doing to humans. Now, if, if, if you're Uncle Sam or Big Brother, per se, better, you got to understand, Jonathan, when you and I were 17, a smartphone didn't exist. But right. when we turned 26, a smartphone now existed, and we are the first human to not have – we are the only human that is, that is going to exist from this point forward that lived without it and lived live with, with it. it. Right. We are the first ones, so we'll never understand any human from here forward. Like, we don't – we won't understand our kids because they're born with that fucking thing. Point is, though, point here. Now, what Big Brother has done with that is being able to mobilize his narrative, okay? Dude, we we are taking needle out the haystack occurrences and making them everyday life. So there's one guy in Minnesota that got beat up at a traffic light. Now, how many right. other black guys got pulled over that day in the United States? Millions. Okay. Thousands. But what, what Big Brother is able to do with that camera footage, he's able to create the narrative that he wants off of this fucking uh, off an occurrence that doesn't even tick the meter statistically. And that's the scary part because it got people like me running around terrified every cop want to kill me. When the truth is, it's like airplane crashes. You know, it should never happen. Lives are lost. But shit, Dog, I, 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 I haven't gotten pulled over by the cops, but people get pulled over by the cops all the time. And you get your ticket and you fucking leave. But if you got the, the power of the capture footage now, and if you can capture it and create a narrative with it, why not? That's all I'm saying, man. That's all I'm saying with that. But it sounds like my boy got a little family in back, so I'm going um, to play this while he get his thing together. Like I said, we're talking Rich Paul, and this is taking us everywhere. But there's a narrative America, the NCAA, has to keep. That's their amateur division, which is the NCAA. You cannot pay these players because the NCAA says that they are amateurs and only professionals are paid athletically. That's just the bottom line, right? So, in essence, what the NCAA is doing is protecting these players from these big bad wolf agents and having bad representation. Really, they don't want these Uncle Dennis's and these Rich Pauls to happen. But let's listen to a little bit of, you know, kind of the America's narrative of what this Rich Paul rule is more so about. 
Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports, national columnist, usually writing great things about what's going on with the NCAA, and he joins us now to give us the Clip Notes version. Dan, good morning. Thanks for joining us. What do we need to know about this, and why does it bother you so much? Well, I mean, I don't think this – I think it's a product of a slow news (laughs) news time of year. I don't know that it's quite – uh, you know, we need, you know, Armageddon here or anything like that. Okay. Basically, the NCA is saying they have players, players that want to test the draft waters after their, their college season. Um, they are now allowed to, you know, uh, make an agreement with a representative, uh, an agent or somebody who can then say, you know, call teams, you know, where do you think my guy's going to be drafted, right? So if the teams come back, say, you know, late second round or not at all, Hey, maybe you stay in school. They sit there saying, hey, you're top five. Go, right? Pretty basic. What the NCA is saying is in order to – if you're going to hire one of those guys, this agent has to ha- have passed their certification test. And the certifications include a bachelor's degree. You've already been an agent with the NBPA for, for three years, certified there. Uh, you have to come to Indianapolis and take some kind of test from the NCAA about, you know, rules and things like that. They're basically, you know, just regulating this on the on the back end. Um, and so it got attention because Rich Paul, LeBron James' agent, and Anthony Davis's agent, Draymond Green's agent, um, does not have a bachelor's degree. And so LeBron and others think, well, hey, this is about snuffing out Rich Paul and stopping him. Uh, from being able to do this. And there's certainly, I think, a pretty good argument of, like, why do you need a bachelor's degree to do this? Like, there's no classes in how do you figure out where a guy's getting drafted. I don't know any majors in that, in in universal. Maybe someone should do it. Um, So that's kind of why it's flared up. I think it's it's a stupid kind of rule. It's arbitrary. Who cares if the guy's a bachelor's degree? Why is it's one thing for a league or a union to regulate the agents, particularly a, a union yeah. to regulate the agents that are getting representing, but the colleges are trying to keep these guys like they're like they shouldn't have any say in what a kid wants to do if he's thinking of leaving. So it's almost like it's just extra regulation and an effort to keep players in school. Do you think this? Yeah, man. You there, Jonathan? Yeah, I'm here. Cool. Um, there you have Dan Wetzel. Dan Wetzel, um, kind of giving you the, the PC narrative, you know, protecting the shield. Anything you see the American flag on, believe their narrative is in cahoots with the American narrative. I was just looking at um, some breakdown of the Rams helmet. We'll get into some helmet talk old AD. But I noticed on every NFL helmet, there's an American flag. And that's why the NFL goes out of its way to make sure their image lines up with the American narrative. And the NCAA in the same accord. And then you heard Dan Wetzel. Yahoo Sports, you know, works for the big the big publication and, you know, got the big time talk about basketball job. He's not working for one of these blogs or, you know, some lower paying job at ESPN. He's working at Yahoo and he has the big boy job in it. There's not a lot of these jobs. You know, I wanted to be a journalist 
I told uh, what, what grade was my teacher in? I think I was about eighth grade. I told him I want to be a journalist. And he said, well, things about those jobs, Ramil, um, people, those are lifetime jobs. There's very few spots. And when a dude does get a spot and he's writing the main column at the Long Beach Press-Telegram or the L.A. Times, as you know, Bill Plasky and, you know, Doug Krikorian and these dudes, they've been around writing in that same fucking paper, you know, and the paper world is dying. So the spots have gotten fewer, and naturally, you know, a guy who wanted to attain and be a beat writer for a team, that's turned into media. So you got to do something different. But said not a lot of spots there. You know, uh, it's not a, a, a surefire thing. But you hear Dan Wetzel, big job talking sports for, for one of the big syndicates. They're trying to try to give us some relativity. They're trying to say, you know, downplay the whole this whole thing being directed towards Rich Paul. But let me give you a little more Dan Wetzel, man. Even Dan, you know, even Dan had to just point out the hypocrisy involved here. And let me play this. Then I go to Jonathan, man, and then we get on to the little Raider talk and wrap it up. But let Dan just shed a little more light on this and the bullshit of it. Here's my thing with this whole bit, and it's why I find it infuriating is, or, or certainly, you know, illogical, is in hockey, okay, the other winter sport with a major professional league where people make millions of dollars, a, a pl- everybody is eligible for the NHL draft. You don't have to declare for the draft. It's a slight distinction, but you get drafted in hockey. You get drafted, and then you can decide whether or not you want to go to college. You don't lose your eligibility by staying in the NHL draft or even getting drafted. The player of the year last year, uh, Kale Maker, from, who plays for the Colorado Avalanche now, he was drafted fourth overall in 2017. Then he decided, you know, I think college would be best for me, and he went to UMass for two years and then joined the Avalanche. So a hockey player can get drafted and retain eligibility, but a basketball player can lose their eligibility just by hiring an agent to consider whether to go in the draft. Okay. Uh, that isn't certified by NCA. These are, these are student under their parlance. These are student athletes under the, at the same athletic department. Like you walk in the same hall, go in the same trainer, same building. Everything's the same, same school, same rule book. Yet the hockey player gets one rule, which I think is a good one because then you can sit there and say, now, you know, I don't like getting drafted here. Or I, I thought I was going to get drafted, and I didn't. Why should I have to not go back to college? Like, who does that help? To sit there and say, sorry, kid, ha-ha, you didn't get in. You, you thought you were getting picked, and you got picked late. Or go, God, man, they picked me, but they got too many power forwards. I don't want to play there. I'll, I'll wait, and I'll try to get better, and, 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 and then I'll play for them later. So that's my problem is we have one rule for hockey players and one completely more strict rule for basketball players. One of those sports makes somebody a lot of money. <laughs> that's, <Another true>. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. That's why I said yeah. they're trying to protect a multi-billion dollar business called March Madness. That- now, I don't even know how 
this shit's legal. Dan Wetzel said, basketball players, you will lose your eligibility if you don't adhere to these requirements. Now, in hockey, you can get drafted out of high school and still go to college if you choose. There's no no requirements at all. These are two athletes at the same exact colleges. Doesn't even seem like it should be legal. Don't even seem like it should be legal, man. How does this shit even happen? I don't like that shit. For sure, bro. I don't like that shit. It's egregious, man, and it's blatant. It's just egregious, and it's blatant. Thank you, black bastards. Jonathan ah, did it, is, it, is, it, is it just as clear as day And it is what it is How should we digest this Oh my boy ain't there I'm here Oh sorry Okay I mean, did you get to hear it, man? I mean, you you, you got yeah, hockey I players. Got, yeah, I I did get to hear it, and you know, and and I I don't know. I kind of do feel like these particular subjects kind of kind of could take you in all sorts of directions, you know. But it, it's 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 just like well, when it comes to the NCAA and it comes to uh, pro football and when it comes to uh, the NBA. I mean, it's, I, yeah, I mean, I, we're, we're free to talk on the blog. So it's just, you know, I mean, nobody's signing up JP to see, uh, oh man, his name just slipped my head. Uh, 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 player, you know, players like JJ, JJ Reddick or Adam Morrison, or who was that tall white boy back in the, in the nineties that was able to play with the dream team, uh, Leitner. Uh, the yeah, Christian Leitner, you know. I mean, nobody's going to go see those athletes. Everybody's going to go see you're going to go see your uh, Zion Williams. Uh, uh, you know, everybody's going to go to Houston to go see Hakeem. Everybody went to Michigan to go see Chris Webber and the Fab Five. You know, I think Hakeem. I forgot who else was on Hakeem's team that they were called Five Slamma Jamma. I can't. I can't remember off the top That's of my it. head. Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, and here in SC, I mean, here I mean, in SC and in UCLA, when when it came to uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Lou Alcindor, who, you know, who he was at the time, you know, or the O'Bannon brothers in the, in the early 90s, you know, in the mid-90s, no one, no one wants to see the white boys because they can't, they can't do what the black athlete can do. It's just not, it's just not, I mean, in a way, you know, that that's exactly what they're doing. They're protecting their investment. You know, they're protecting their, you know, their ticket draws, the things that they got to do. They're protecting what, I mean, who cares about a first round, you know, who cares about a first round pick in the NHL draft? That's not going to bring them revenue. The two things that bring school revenue, bring school revenue is what, football and basketball. That's what brings revenue. I mean that that's that's the thing that helps what the lacrosse team. Am I right, JP? Some of that revenue goes to the lacrosse team too, right? Of course, keep them shit yeah. alive. 
you know, keep, keep those, those, those stupid sports alive. And, you know, and it's like, you know, why are they going to get rid of the, I mean, I mean, to me, if you're looking at, if you're looking at it on, on another side of it, I mean, it's pretty genius. I mean, yeah, you know, why not institute all these rules to stop the players that are pretty much your money makers? And, you know, because plus, I mean, why would you give up that asset? Number one, I'm not paying you. All the revenue comes mm-hmm. back to me. You know, I keep mm-hmm. all that money. I mean, look at what LS, LSU did to their locker room. Did you see that? Like, do you know, like, dude, and you and I are avid sports fans. Yeah. I could not name, I don't think I can name four other NCAA players that were factors this past season aside from Zion and R.J. Barrett just because he was on Duke. And so I think it's like, oh, well, shit. That might be it, dude. But the point is, the NCAA built their entire season of networking around Zion Williamson. Billions of dollars circulated. That young man received zero from that year in Duke. Billions of dollars circulated. I'm talking about from ad companies to TV networking to, you know, you name it. But it was all based around that kid, and he got zero dollars. Yeah. I think we've we've come to the conclusion that, you know, the NCAA – this new implementation. I don't fuck with you. We do not like what you guys are doing. We think it's bullshit. I like that shit for sure, bro. We ain't fucking with y'all, man. But and the thing that sucks, man. Yeah, the thing that sucks. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, JP. But it's just that the thing that sucks. It's like for athletes that are coming that are trying to come up into the NBA, unfortunately it's like an it's a necessary evil. You know, and it's something that you gotta go through because if you're one of those players that unless the until the NBA is able to reinstitute, you know, you're eligible at eighteen, you know, it's 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 gonna be something that we're gonna have to deal with until somebody, you know, within the big brother uh group decides to say, you know what? we need to at least share revenue costs with these players, especially if they're the ones that you're primarily marketing. And, you know, and it's, and it goes into the same thing of everything else, you know, until, you know, big brother decides to do something, you know, we're unfortunately stuck with having to figure out how we work with this BS until, you know, you know, until we make it pretty much. Yeah. We know it's unfair. The worst part about it, you know, be unfair to me. Just don't be blatantly unfair, you know. Uh, and this is blatant, you know. This is clear, clear to stop the Ben Simmons of the world from happening. Here's why they want to get the guys like Rich Paul out the game. Look, this was a good old brothers network. The agents, they were old in place. You can pass it down to your son. They had good ties with the guys in the NCAA. The the powers that be there, we can, hey, I'll make sure he goes to Duke, and I'll make sure he goes to North Carolina. And, you know, God forbid, you know, you, you know what the biggest scare in the world is, Jonathan? That one day Zion, the Zion Wilmingsons and those guys who continue to come, one of them says, I'm going to fucking Howard. I bet you they put an implementation in place immediately. 
where he just can't do that. Don't let the next Zion come and say, I'm going to an historical black college. Hey, I'm going to uh, Clark Atlantic. I'm going to Grambling. I'm freaking going to Florida A&M. I'm going to Morehouse. If that day ever comes, I don't know what they're going to do. Don't let that day ever become the fad, the trend, where the, the next class of freshmen all get some inkling and they all say, you know, we're, we're fucking going to Birmingham A, A and B. Man, I don't even know what would happen. I don't even know what would happen, but they would legislate something that would stop it. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say right now. You're gonna, th- there's going to be a rich Paul in place for those universities eventually. Well, those days will come. They'll come. Oh, they'll come. Uh, but that's enough on the rich Paul, man. I felt like it deserved a deep dive. A little fun before we go. Something near and dear to me and Jonathan. You know, something near and dear to me and Jonathan. And just in the spirit of it, I haven't heard it. Oh, yeah, it felt good. It felt, you know, felt good to hear it, get the juices flowing. Um, Talk a little Raider talk. Um, look, Jonathan, I know we we broke down AB's arrival since he's arrived, and we've given the blow by blow. We are both very excited to have this talent on the team, arguably the best receiver in the league. Numbers would indicate such. But in my estimation has been nothing more than a nuisance, somebody who isn't compliant and what I have to deem at this point of the course a distraction and a soon-to-be train wreck. Uh, We had this thing with some training he was doing with some Gucci slippers or some shit on and he and towed a skin off the bottom of his feet, kept him out of out of practice, out of first day of days of camp. Red flag, red flags all the way around. Just weird shit flying in on a in a in a blimp. I was able to catch the hard knock. Weird, weird man. And um, now files a grievance against the NFL against the NFL's new implementation of their new helmet, the new helmet that everyone has to wear. And A.B. has filed a grievance and has threatened to retire if he's not able to wear the helmet he's comfortable wearing, which is the helmet that is on the, the band, the band equipment's list. Jonathan, what do you think about it, bro? You know when I first when I first read that article, I kind of thought it was um, I, could, I couldn't believe what I was reading that he didn't want to wear the helmet. But you know what? Do you have anything specific on what's the differences between the two helmets? Because that's what I still don't know. What's 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 his okay. what's his deal with with uh, 
let me what's let me the, play what I have between the two. Yeah, go. Let me play what I have. So here's some uh, some details about the grievance. We know about the foot issue with Antonio Brown, the injury that he suffered in France last month, burning his feet in the cryotherapy chamber. But there's actually an issue that right now is factoring more into his decision not to be there, not to practice, than the feet right now. And that is this. The NFL passed rules last spring that said certain helmets will not be allowed to be worn. And Antonio Brown is adamant that he continues to get to wear his old helmet, which he knows and is comfortable with and is protecting him through the years. But that helmet is on the NFL's ban list. And because he cannot wear his old helmet and because he was told to leave the field with the old helmet, he basically filed a grievance against the NFL asking and requesting and demanding that he get to wear the old helmet that the league is banned. Now, it gets weirder in the sense that he has actually told the team that he will not play football again unless he gets to wear his old helmet. He had a two-hour hearing today with the league. We are expecting a decision from the arbitrator next week. At some point, if the arbitrator rules in his favor, then everything is hunky-dory. If the arbitrator does not, well, then it gets very interesting because the Raiders have been sending Antonio Brown helmets over the last week to try on approved helmets. He doesn't like or want to wear any of them and has told them that. I'm not going to wear these new helmets. I want my old helmet, the old helmet that has been banned. And it sets up something of a showdown between Antonio Brown and the NFL that involves the Raiders, that involves the arbitrator. And who would have thought that we could have all this over a helmet? And yet the helmet has become more intriguing and more mysterious than his actual foot injury. First of all, he claims that the helmet, it affects his vision, yet you have other wide receivers in the league saying it's improved their vision on the field. And also, take it up with the league. Why are you saying this to the Raiders? You signed with them. You knew last season you were going to have to change helmets. He's being petulant yet once again. So, so that doesn't necessarily answer the differences in helmets, but that gives some detail on what Antonio's out here doing, and most importantly, what's said at the end there, is Antonio knew this was coming. Every player in the league knew this helmet change was coming. Now, one thing that we have to note and put an asterisk by is that the NFL, with this whole narrative out here today where parents aren't letting their kids play football because it's too dangerous, the NFL is going out of its way because, look, it's American sport. We just talk about that. The NFL is, represents America, like literally. You guys got to take that into consideration. The NFL represents America. There's American flags on every fucking jersey on somewhere on it. It's going to be an American flag, and that's not on NBA jerseys. That ain't on baseball jerseys. might be on baseball jerseys, but I don't think so. But the NFL certainly is. And the things that happen on NFL uh, broadcasts are representations of the United States, uh, Budweiser commercials, you know, things of that nature. Um, But point being, the NFL has to go out of their way to make these improvements to make people feel more comfortable about what football is, you know. The NFL has to make some amazing helmets, 
that, you know, guarantees, scientists can come out and say, we guarantee no neck injury, no CTE, no, you know, no risk of a guy being paralyzed. And, you know, we, we can't be seeing those injuries on TV where dudes don't move again. That, you know, the NFL can afford few of those. You know, one or two of those a season of, you know, fuck everything up. So the NFL has to put some efforts into improving helmets and making sure that the sport is safer. You see it on hard knocks. If you've been keeping up with hard knocks, Gruden is like, God damn, since the last time I coached, uh, do these guys need, um, you know, do we need everyone to hold hands and run around? Because they can't do nothing. They can't hit. They can't. They can't. And so in Gruden's estimation, if you've been watching hard knocks, it's like, shit, uh, no one's going to call the cops on me if I make these guys hit today, are they? You know, so the, the sport has changed a great deal for the safety of the players. So the question is, why are the players, why is Antonio tripping? But to give what my man Jonathan asked a little more clarity, I got a little player review. You know, I had to dig a little deep just to get some player review. So these players are Seahawks players. Uh, Marcel Reese, X-Raider, and Cliff Averill. Um, they're going to tell you a little bit what the difference of the helmets are like. Let's give a listen. What's up, everybody? I'm Taylor Stuffer from GeekWire. here with Marcel Reese, fullback for the Seattle Seahawks, and just came off, came off the field for the third preseason game, and you're wearing one of the Vice's helmets. So how does it feel? What went into your decision of actually picking that helmet over the other options? And, yeah, tell us about that. Really just, uh, you know, learning about it, reading the reviews, doing some research, and actually seeing the, the video of it. Right. Uh, of the testing compared to all the other helmets, and that's what that's what uh, went into my decision to actually try it out. And how does it feel out there? I mean, can you? It's probably hard to notice a, a huge difference, but I mean, when you get hit, when you feel that impact, do you feel a little bit more secure at all? You know, to be honest with you, you know, there's there's some slight changes in it. Where uh, you know, when you first pick it up, it feels a little heavier, it looks a little bigger, but once you put it on, you get used to it. It's, it's actually you see you, you get a little more vision with it. Um, and, and on actual impact, it is it is a little more comfortable. You don't really you don't really feel that uh, that initial that initial movement in there. So that's what went in my decision to continue to wear. Do you think you'll keep wearing it throughout the season? I think so. I think so. I I, I think I'm gonna work a couple things out as far as like uh, you know the adjustments and the fit and the face mask and things like that just to get myself a little more uh, acclimated and comfortable with it. You know with the old style. You know when you've been playing for 10 years, you're set into to one one style so once I, once I get through that I think I'll continue to wear it throughout the season and if it really does help that impact why doesn't everyone in the locker room wear it do you think is it because like, people are used to the old style of helmets you know uh, you know men in general are creatures are, are, are you know we're just creatures of our, of, our, of habit and our nature so um, you know we're kind of locked into these certain routines and, and, and uh, it's, it's kind of kind of hard to change out of those routines but um, you know once you start doing the research and you realize you know your health is is, is more important than anything else than the look than the feel or anything else your health is more important um, I think I think guys will start changing but yeah. you are wearing the new Vice's helmet now. Yeah. Can you give us some details on why you picked the helmet? How does it feel so far? Uh, well, you know, some of the research that I've done, my wife actually did some research on it as well. And, uh, you know, we kind of we, we want to try something different, try something new. 
uh, that obviously you know help you from from a concussion standpoint. And I like it so far. It's, it's very soft, very it's different. It's not as hard as all the other helmets. A little bit heavier, but uh, I definitely like it. Um, you know, this this week was the first time I actually put it to test, and uh, it's definitely something I think I'm going to keep wearing. Do you feel any different than the helmet you're used to in the past? I mean, because you know it deforms a little bit. Yeah. The car bumper thing. Do you, do you feel that at all when you're actually out there taking impact? Um. You just you just don't I guess you don't feel the thuds as as as, as hard as they normally are. Um, but you know, in due time, you'll see how how it reacts. But so far, like I said, I like the way it feels. It's very soft. Don't really it doesn't move too much on your head. So I, I like the way it is so far. So there you have Marcel Reese and Cliff Averill both basically saying that. On impact, the thud, the the you know, it's, it's it's not as much. It's improved from the prior helmet. That's important. You know, it's the jarring, it's the thud that the shaking of the brain that they say affects the brain. So it it absorbing more impact is definitely an improvement. So why is Antonio tripping? Is the question here. Is Antonio just being a prima donna? He's only playing in the NFL. Stepping out, talking about he'll retire, and he ain't playing unless he gets his helmet. Look, Antonio, you're not getting a helmet. They're not going to make an exception for you out of every dude in that fucking league. You knew this was coming. The Raiders have been trying to send you helmets, as, as you heard, and say, hey, how about this one? How's this one fit you? How's it? And uh, Jonathan, this is just a terrible relationship. This is a person who thinks they're they're too cute for the other person, and the the, the person who's not cute enough has to keep trying to give this person different types of gifts and 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 please them every time and do things. Just can't be regular around them and just say, hey, just love me for me and come do what you need to do. We got to keep kissing your ass to get you to come do something. This is going to end terribly. How do you see this going? What do you think about this whole fiasco? Well, this is what I thought about it. When I first read the article, I didn't re- the article didn't really go into too many details about the helmet. The only thing it kind of was, was uh, you know, it kind of just briefly talked about how there's an issue with him and the helmet. But then the thing that I thought about was, do you remember all that? that went through between him and Pittsburgh about the contract negotiation, how hard he fought to get that money and finally got it with the Raiders. I mean, I really, really doubt that Antonio Brown is going to miss out on the money that that guy pretty much clawed tooth and nail, you know, to get, you know, in in order for him to be satisfied as getting paid as one of the elite receivers in the league. I don't think he's going to just retire and give up all his money on a basis of a helmet. I mean, I think Antonio Brown is talented enough to adapt. I really do. I really am going back to uh, the fact that I think this is all about him not being able to play on the feet that he pretty much messed up. He, He messed up his feet. I mean, I don't know if you if you listen to 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 Mason and Ireland, but I had no idea that John Ireland does the uh, cryogenic therapy. And basically, what he says is that 
Cryogenic therapy is a much faster way. Uh, It's a a much more expensive and faster way to execute what the ice bath does. It takes away your soreness. So what he says that he's done the cryogenic thing, you know, a, a bunch of times. And he says that you feel great when you come out of it because it pretty much eliminates your your uh, your soreness. I guess they put you at negative 200 degrees or I don't know. So I, I can't even remember. I'm, I'm probably like saying it wrong. But but basically, you know, it's it's super damn cold and you're in there for like a few minutes, I think. They, they think they only recommend you in there for about two or three minutes. But the thing that you definitely have to do when you go in there is wear socks. And because he says that there's a sensitive part on the bottom of your feet that you absolutely need to wear socks. And I think Antonio Brown, the first week, uh, I think it was how many, how many weeks ago, maybe like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, when they were running drills, he was, he was able to run, you know, his lateral speed was still there, but when he had to, to, to make lateral, I mean, his, his vertical, I'm sorry, his vertical speed was there. You know, but when he had to move lateral, he couldn't. And they're saying that that had to do with his foot not healed all the way. So I think that this whole helmet deal, I honestly feel, is a diversion to go kind of like what what your first clip said. It's a diversion to kind of not really focus on the main issue, which is him not wearing socks in that cryogenic chamber. I really do feel that that's what essentially this all boils down to. Kind of like, you know, here, let me, it's, it's kind of like what they say in politics. Yeah, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're locking up all these people in, in pretty much concentration camp style. Uh, you know, ICE is gathering all these immigrants and, you know, all these uh, cells, putting 100 people in the cell. But everybody's more focused on what Trump is saying versus what the real issues are. So I kind of think it's just a diversion to kind of not really look at what the real issue is, which is Antonio Brown's feet. Hmm, interesting, interesting. Now, that's definitely a conspiracy. Uh, I, I, I don't know how legitimate, you know, because, look, isn't that, you know, just bigger unwanted news, filing a grievance against the NFL and making more like a prima donna than just saying, hey, I'm still injured? I don't know, because, it, I mean, I mean, because, I don't know, JP, it, it, it's, it's kind of like one of those things of, I, I don't know, this is just what I think. It's one of those things of, like, I mean, I'm sure you've done it. I know I've done it. There's a lot of things that we do that we're like, oh, man, that was a pretty stupid move. And you're thinking, man, that's embarrassing. I shouldn't have done that. And I think that cryogenic chamber thing is one of those stupid moves. And, you know, and you're trying to create an excuse or a diversion to not make you look as stupid as you do. Because if, if, you're, if you're a professional athlete that knows that, you know, you, you, you've done this cryogenic chamber thing a bunch of times and you really go in there with no socks and you're pretty much, I mean, did you see, you saw those pictures, right, of what his feet looked like? I mean, that, that looked horrible. That looked I was just, you know, and, and I don't know, JP, it's just that for me, it's like what he did with Pittsburgh in order to get to Oakland for the money that Oakland paid him, which is what he wanted, which is what he tried to get from Pittsburgh. I mean, I just, it, I just don't see, 
I don't, I don't see that making sense as far as him, you know, saying I'm not going to play and forfeit all that money that he said, no, no, this is, this is my money. I need my money. I mean, I, I, I just don't see it. So it may be a prima donna uh, type issue, you know, that he's just, you know, but I really do feel that it's one of those diversion type things to kind of shield away what happened for that during that cryogenic chamber session that he had. That's just what I think. Well, I don't know. Either way, facts still remain. It's it's not good with AB in a Raider uniform. No, let's let's hope this talent prevails. What we've seen so far through Hard Knocks, the first show, you know, we've seen him not practice, and we've seen him come and look like he's giving guys problems at practice. AB also looks old as shit, if you ask me. And AB is also weird. You know, AB's also very weird, and he's a prima donna for sure. And he wants to be treated differently. He's not a team guy. And not saying that he has to be any of those things as he goes out there and kicks ass. But, you know, I don't know, man. AB, he just, he just, I don't know, man. I would have, I don't know. Just it just doesn't feel good. Doesn't feel good. Nothing has been red flags everywhere. And let's just hope what happens on the field just prevails and and that's what matters most. But so far the chemistry and the type of guy he is for the team and all that good shit, he has been none of those things. So Jonathan I think that's good for um, Sunday evening. Do you have anything you want to say before we go, bro? No, I mean I just I just think that uh, uh, with the whole Rich Paul thing, you know, I think it's just it, it, it's just uh, those are just some of the obstacles that you know minorities have to continue to jump through hoops. It's not something that we want to do. It's not something that you know. Uh, it, it sucks that, you know, these types of things are still being instituted, you know, because of the success of, you know, uh, minorities and things like that. But, you know, but at the end of the day, I still feel that, you know, as minorities will prevail, we'll find ways to get things done. And, you know, and whatever Big Brother puts in front of us, we're just, those are, you know, with no pun intended, but those are just walls that we're just going to have to break down. I mean, we got no choice. I mean, things aren't going to change for the immediate and just wait and see what happens. And then, you know, but the Raiders, you know, I, I got to tell you, I don't know if you checked out that Rams game, but, you know, the rookies, the rookies are looking pretty good. Looking at, you know, Celine Farrell more than anything and Jonathan Abram, you know, and especially uh, uh, Terrain Mullen. I mean, they're, I mean, sorry, Trayvon Mullen. I mean, they're looking pretty good. I mean, there was a lot of snaps within those games. You know, because remember, the Raiders, the, the, the Raiders draft was going to weigh very heavily because of that Khalil Mack trade. And it really looks like, you know, that, that defensive end, not saying he looks like Khalil Mack, but one of the things is that it kind of seems like they got some real football players there. And it may not be, and, you know, and, and Celine Farrell may not be, you know, Khalil Mack, but, you know, if, if, if Mike Mayock and John Gruden put, like, you know, a good team together, complimentary players together, you know, I mean, they look pretty good, man. I mean, I got to say, they, they look pretty good. You know, obviously it's preseason and, you know, not not that big of a deal, but those Raider rookies, you know, 
they're they're showing a little something, and you know, hopefully that that hopefully that translates, you know, in the real, you know, during the real games, you know, once the NFL season starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they got that that Abrams definitely got a lot of personality, and Clean uh, Farrell and Clemson guy who was dominant just last year in college. So you know, it's only so I guess you got to only so much you can hope out of these guys. You had Dallas last year with a couple of rookies really stand out and you know play some key roles for the team. So we're hoping the same for the Raiders. But all remains to be seen. Um, they got a lot to prove. A lot of high expectations. Big coaching town. Big move. Just came from Vegas. Seen the stadium. The stadium's right as you drive in. Look like it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to look like it's going to be high but close. One of those type of things, if that makes any sense. Like it's going to go high up, but it's not going to go far out. You know, well, whatever. But you have to see it for yourself. It doesn't look big is what I'm saying. It doesn't look like gigantic or anything. It looks like they're making it kind of like an intimate type of place, and I think that's cool if it's only going to be for the Raiders to play there in Vegas. But nothing like this this shit they're building here in Inglewood. This thing is gigantic. This thing they're building in Inglewood at the Great Western Forum, the Hollywood Park, Whatever's going there, the Ram Stadium or whatever, that thing is a monster. But that thing in Vegas, pretty pretty small. Looks pretty small in, in comparison. So uh it's been a heavy handed edition. I appreciate you all for hanging in if you hung in there and hopefully everything is, is synced up. Uh Jonathan, thank you for stopping by as always, man. Uh, thank you for stopping by, sir, and uh we got to hang out sometime, bro. Uh, you know, we got to uh, find a time to link up and, uh, you know, shoot the shit, as they say. Oh, absolutely. You know, because it's, it's been a minute since I've seen you, so it's like, definitely, man, we got to, you know, come over to the house, you know, we'll put some <coughs> some carne asada on the grill, you know. Some, you know, no we'll do it there for it sure. All right. Until the next time, heavy-handed edition. Uh, Jonathan, thank you for the rest of the fam. Uh, Eugene, RC, everybody for stopping by. Until the next time, I'm out. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.